Welcome and thanks for listening to the sermon podcast from First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu. Today, First Pres Senior Pastor Dan Chun looks back at the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus walked with his disciples, but they didn't recognize him. Eventually they did. What do these early interactions with Jesus say about our faith in Jesus? Hey, as Chris mentioned last week for this season of preaching, we're going to work through what is called a lectionary calendar, which is what many Protestant and Catholic traditions use. It covers four passages a week from the Old and New Testament and Psalms and Proverbs. It's a way to cover the entire Bible. Lectionary just means a list of Bible readings. It gives us all the option of reading along even before we preach on it. This will give us exposure to all of the scripture in its entire wise counsel, and it encourages us to read passages and books we wouldn't normally read or reflect on. Doesn't mean that now and then we preachers might not break off for a short series, but most of the time we'll stay on the lectionary. And every week there will be four separate Bible passages and the preacher will choose one of them to preach on. If you ever want to read ahead of what we'll be probably preaching on, you can go to the website lectionarypage.net. All right, you can write that down. Now, being in the lectionary unifies our entire church reading the same passages for the week. We're unified with the entire body of Christ throughout the world. Plus, it can remind us of the seasons of faith. And right now, in the lectionary, we are still in the season of Easter still reveling in the resurrection of our Lord. It didn't end on Easter Sunday. It started there, but by following the lectionary, we come to one of my favorite passages that is so rife with meaning and some crazy humor. Last week, Chris preached on the disciple named Thomas, who doubted the resurrection of Jesus because he wasn't there when Jesus appeared to the other disciples the first time. Today's passage focuses on that prior meeting that Thomas missed. Chris mentioned it, but I am going to dig deeper into it, and boy, is it a doozy. First, I'm going to tell the Bible story, and then I'll try to make sense of it so that you and I will have some practical takeaways. I'm going to read a few verses at a time and make a few teaching points along the way, and at the end, I will take us on a journey to figure out its meaning because it's kind of mysterious. Okay, it's from the Gospel of Luke, <clears throat> chapter 24, beginning with verse 35. And it says this, Then the two men told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. Jesus himself stood among the disciples and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and terrified and thought they were seeing a ghost. He said to them, Why are you frightened and why do, you, why do doubts arise in your hearts? Look at my hands and my feet. See that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a ghost did not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. Okay, here's the context to today's passage. It is Easter Sunday, and two guys are walking along a road to a village called Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. 
They were talking story about the crazy report that Jesus no longer being in the tomb and there were these women who said his body is gone. And the men thought it was absolute nonsense. And as they're walking, Jesus comes up and walks with them, but they didn't recognize him. Like those TV shows, you know, Undercover Boss or Mystery Diners, this is even better. It's Mystery Messiah who walks alongside of you incognito. And Jesus, playing dumb, even asks him, so, like, uh, what are you guys all discussing? Jesus has such a sense of humor. The Lord is toying with them. Oh, did something big happen today? Gee, tell me about it. Something unusual? And one of them, named Cleopas, one of my favorite names, Cleopas, basically responds, what? Are you like the dumbest guy in Jerusalem? Don't you know about what everyone's talking about? That this guy, Jesus of Nazareth, was a prophet, powerful in word and deed, and then was crucified? We had hoped he was going to save Israel. But then early this morning, these women went to the tomb, and they couldn't find him. And they said, he is risen. Jesus, still in disguise, says, you know, people are so foolish and slow in thinking. If they can't put this all together from what the prophets predicted years ago about the Messiah. So the two then asked Jesus to join them for supper. And not being one to ever turn down a meal, Jesus, the ultimate foodie, joins them. And while they were eating, he broke bread with them. And then suddenly they realized who he was. Maybe because they were there at the feeding of the 5,000 when he, he took the bread and blessed it and then broke it. Or when he was at the feeding of the 4,000 when he took the bread, blessed it, and broke it. Or maybe they were at the Last Supper when he took the bread, blessed it, and broke it. The pattern all looks so familiar. Their hearts were getting strangely warmed. But suddenly, poof, Jesus was gone. So then Cleopas and the other guy, who never, never has a name in the Bible, hurried Helion Brada to Jerusalem and found the 11 apostles, Judas was now gone, and told them that they had actually seen Jesus. And while they were telling this story, poof, suddenly Jesus appears and says, Aloha. No, he really said the Middle Eastern greeting, peace be with you. And what do you think their response was? I know. It was actually, ah, total terror. How do I know that? Because remember, it said in our passage that, and I quote, they were startled and frightened thinking they saw a ghost. And if you are startled and frightened and you think you see a ghost, you can't do nothing but, ah, it's dead man walking. They are shocked, surprised, maybe even a little shaken bacon. Then Jesus says, look at my hands and my feet. It's me. It's really me. Come here. Touch me. Feel me. A ghost doesn't have flesh and bones. So they are in shock and they're touching him, getting close, not socially distanced, looking at him, but they still couldn't fully believe it. But they were happy and yet startled and blown away. They're all huddled around him, touching him, examining him, when all of a sudden Jesus says, hey, I'm, uh, 
you got something to eat? And the disciples were like, come again? Like what? Like how random? Yeah, right. So um, anybody have anything to give Jesus to eat? Like check your robe pockets. Any leftovers? Bread? Fish? How about fish? Maybe even speared fish, seared fish. Anyone has fish? Any, McDonald's, anyone? Filet of fish? Anybody, please, the Lord is hungry. And then someone stepped forward and offered Jesus a piece of broiled fish. And Jesus took it and ate it. And they watched him slowly chewing it, swallowing it. If you don't believe me, here is exactly what it says in the Bible. In Luke 24, 41 to 43, while in their joy they were disbelieving and still wondering, Jesus said to them, Have anything to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it, and he ate in their presence. Didn't say he shared any of it. Just Jesus eating in their presence. This story makes me laugh. Why was this put in the story? I mean, think. Maybe put in the chat right now. Go ahead, type away. Your ideas. Why was this so important in the story? Why did the gospel writer put this line in? Okay, go ahead. Right away, man. Okay. Now, <clears throat> here's my thinking. I have three thoughts. First, Jesus is trying to convince the apostles that it's really him. He knows they won't believe their eyes at first, so he has them touch him and see his hands and his feet to see maybe some of his wounds. He was the only friend they knew who was crucified that weekend, after all. So he's saying, hey, it is I. Second, if his physical appearance wasn't enough, he had to convey to them something about his personality that they would instantly recognize. And, and, and you know what it was? Jesus likes to eat. Our Lord is a foodie. How do I know that? He's always dining. First miracle was at the wedding reception of Cana, and he provides the best wine for everyone. And after he came back from the dead, at the end of the Gospel of John, he's walking on the beach and he yells to the disciples, hey, you have any fish? Throw your net on the right side. And the disciples catch a huge number of fish. And by the time they get to shore, Jesus already has a hibachi going and some bread. And he says, bring some of the fish you have just caught. Come and have breakfast. Let's eat. Wow, like fish, lox, and bagels. He made them do all the work and then says, thanks for the fish, I can eat now. His last gathering with his disciples before he died was not called the last corporate meeting, but the last supper. When he was walking through Jericho on his way to Jerusalem before Palm Sunday, what happens? He sees Zacchaeus up in the sycamore tree. And what does he say? Zacchaeus, I'm gonna have supper with you tonight. And Zacchaeus hadn't even invited him. When Jesus met the Samaritan woman at the well, he was waiting for the disciples to get him some, that's right, takeout food. They're his, the disciples are his Uber Eat bite squad. Check it out in the fourth chapter in the Gospel of John. 
And then throughout the Gospel of John, when Jesus proclaims the seven I am statements, you know, like, I am the light of the world. I am the door. I am the vine. I'm the good shepherd. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. And then it would almost be like the disciples would say, okay, one more, wait for it, wait for it, here it comes. And Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Yep, that's our Jesus. Had to get a food one in. That's the Lord we know. He's the original, loves bread. Jesus is the gold at Yelp elite. He's into food. The Lord's last words to us in the Bible are in Revelation 3.20. Jesus says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with them and they with me. There it is. When Jesus was on earth, he loved to eat with people. How do I know that? His accusers, the Pharisees, called him a glutton and a drunkard, though he never ate or drank in excess. Many in the ancient Middle Eastern culture saw eating as central, but Jesus must have eaten at a lot of gatherings for him to be accused of being a glutton. He did love to party and dine with friends. For Jesus, the essence of life, the essence of friendship, the essence of community, the essence of his people, his church is eating with one another. And maybe that is why when he ate the fish, all those memories came rushing back into the disciples' minds and they would say, it is Jesus. That's what Jesus is known for. We had so many meals together. So many of our ministry lessons were around meals. We dined at Simon's house. We dined at Lazarus' house. And it was during those dinners that a woman washed the Lord's feet with her hair in worship of him. The reality is that in following Jesus, it is best characterized as having a meal with God. And in prayer, it's like you're pouring your heart out in prayer over a meal. Jesus is accessible, and that's why we're looking forward to eating again with everybody once this darn pandemic is over. Jesus is so loving. He's the, he's the kind of God I want to follow and hang out with. He is kind. He is relational. He's the kind you would want to hang out and eat fried chicken or a bowl of pho. And if you're trying to figure out what Jesus is like and you're not yet making a commitment, know this part about him. And the Holy Spirit is like a, a counselor, a comforter. And that is why being a Christian is great. What is the metaphor Jesus uses to, to describe the kingdom of God? Does he call it the great congregation? No, he calls it the great, wait for it, the great banquet. That is why when we are, we're gathering in person, our alpha course, which is for those who are just finding out with faith or want to bone up on their faith, they invite people to get to know Jesus over dinner. And it's free dinner every week and optional if you want to bring your favorite dish. Sharing food is central to the Christian faith and fellowship. But the third reason I believe this is an important fact that Jesus asked for food is that during the time of the early church, there was a belief in something called Gnosticism, where the body is not important. Only the mind is important. And Jesus was saying, no, the body is important. Jesus, um, coming to earth, 
was God incarnate, God in the flesh. You know, as I said before, it's like God, uh, Jesus con carne, God in the flesh. Jesus is saying, I'm not a ghost. Bodies are good. Eating is good. Health of the body is good. Being a foodie is good, in moderation. In fact, in direct opposition to Gnosticism, the New Testament says clearly that your body is, ready for this, your body is the new temple of God. God doesn't live in the ancient holy tabernacle in Jerusalem or in a moving ark of the covenant in a tent. No, the Bible says, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. Our bodies are important. They are the temples, the sanctuaries of the Holy Spirit that enters us when we commit our lives to Christ. And we need to take care of our bodies as we would be like the head groundskeeper to a holy cathedral. Jesus returned in a body, not as a ghost or just a spirit. Okay. Now here comes the last part of our passage, and this brings it all home. Jesus said <clears throat> to the disciples, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, Thus it is written that the Messiah is to suffer, and to rise from the dead, and on the third day, and, and, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem, and you are witnesses of these things. Jesus was telling them, and telling us, that during good and bad times, we must remember that from the beginning of time, it was all part of the creation plan that Jesus would come to earth, die, and be raised from the dead. Our faith is based on the fact that at one time, Jesus was dead man walking. That is the crux of our faith. No other religious leader can make the claim that he died and then came back from the, the dead and was seen by hundreds and hundreds of people. If, if you go back to Genesis and Moses and the prophets who followed them, and if you would remember the godly prayers in the book of Psalms and all of his beautiful poetry and the wisdom literature of Proverbs, and you would remember what happened on Easter, that Jesus is real, and more than 500 people saw him after he was resurrected. And they touched him, and they ate with him. If you remember that, then you can be so strengthened to face any challenge. Right now, the pandemic season has not let up, and you may be financially strapped and stressed beyond belief. And not even talking about COVID, there are other medical ills or relationship stresses or depression. And this is when we must remember this story and the fact that Jesus did live. He did die, but he did rise from the dead. He is God, and he desires to have a relationship with us one that would like to hang out in prayer as if he's dining with us every night. Now let me show you something that has been helpful for me from the day I first became a Christian. And some of you might have seen this before. So take a look at, at this picture. 
you see a locomotive train. And the locomotive engine has the word fact. And then there's a coal car that says uh, faith. And then the caboose says feeling. When you face obstacles or challenges in your life, we must base our following Jesus on the facts I mentioned, his authentic teaching of love, his resurrection, his conquering death, all the witnesses who testified to his coming back, and the disciples who died proclaiming the gospel. It's when we lead with a foundation of those facts that then our faith then grows. And then eventually the feeling of the Lord being close to us follows. Now, too often we base our life on this backwards. We lead and live with the caboose of feelings. And our life is all about feelings. So when we don't feel God is close, we roller coaster down. We say, why has God abandoned me when we feel he is, when, and, and when we feel he's close, the roller coaster goes up. But feelings come and go. They're up and down. They're not reliable. Feelings can be dependent on good days or bad days. Feelings will not sustain us in the hard times, in the valley times. They can be tossed to and fro in the wind. But we, if we keep the order right, where the locomotive, the lead locomotive of our life, of our life train, are the facts of Christianity, the facts of Jesus, the durability and the reliability on, on the Bible, the acts and promises of Jesus, that he will never leave you. And even for some of you, you have seen miracles. And all these facts become the strong baseline for our faith. And out of the facts and faith, then come the feelings. Never ever make it backwards with the caboose of feeling leading your life. When we have difficulty during the hard times in life, it's because we're not remembering the facts of who Jesus is, that he is God. He is reliable. He loves us. He forgives. You know the right order is fact, then faith, and then feeling. Because the early Christians and the apostles who were in this story became so courageous that most of them were killed for their faith. They were steadfast because they knew the fact that Jesus was alive, the fact that he was resurrected, and the fact that his teaching was pure love, pure aloha. And they saw with their own eyes people healed and lives transformed. Mary Magdalene was healed of seven demons, and that fact was what drove her to Jesus' tomb on Easter morning. And when she saw the resurrected Jesus on Easter, it was she, the first preacher of Christianity, who proclaimed, He is risen. Sometimes, when Easter fades into the distance, our faith can flicker. That's okay. There might be an occasional doubt. Those feelings come and go. But rely on the facts and stand on them from Genesis to Moses to the prophets to the Psalms to the New Testament to contemporary witnesses and testimonies. Then watch your faith grow. And then expect the feelings of God's intimacy to grow. And Jesus said, Thus it is written that the Messiah is to suffer and to rise from the dead of the third day and that repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses 
of these things. So live a bedrock faith based on what you have seen and know. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the people who have written down these stories in the Bible. Thank you that we have a record of the facts of you, Lord, how you live your life here on earth, how you died, how you rose from the dead. Again, no other founder of a religion can claim that. And yet you're real. And Lord, I pray that all of us might live lives based on the fact that you are real. And from that, have a strong faith based on those promises and facts. And may we be flooded with the feelings of your intimacy. Lord, I realize there's some people watching today that maybe never have made that commitment to follow you. And maybe today they're saying, gee, I didn't know that you, Lord, were so accessible, that you're, you're kind of funny, and that you, you had fun here on earth, and, and that you enjoyed life, and you ate and drank with us, and, and yet you're real. And you talk about love and forgiveness, and, and that you'll always be with us no matter what. And so if there's some watching, wherever you are, whether in Hawaii or somewhere else in the country or somewhere else in the world, I believe that the Lord may be trying to reach out to you right now and talk to you. And if you're the one that the Lord is trying to reach today, I'm going to ask you if you want to just to pray with me in the silence of your heart and just to say, Lord, come on into my life. And for those of you who are willing to make that commitment or recommitment, just join with me now, silently saying in your heart, or if you want even out loud, up to you. Just say, Lord, I'm hearing the facts about your reality. And Lord, I think today, on this special day, I want to commit my life to follow you. I want to commit my life to learn more about you. I want to commit my life to research more facts, but also to give you access to my life, that if you are who you say you are, then come into my life and send me your Holy Spirit, that I realize my body is holy and sacred as your, your spirit now resides in me, and that the Holy Spirit's called Comforter and Counselor, and I'm at a point I need all the wisdom and counsel and comfort in the world. So Lord, Sorry that maybe I've ignored you, but thank you now for coming into my life. And please forgive what I've done, but to the best of my ability, I want to follow you now and be a witness to you. So thank you. In Christ's name, amen. Hey, I just want to say that if you, um, if you did pray that prayer, uh, you might notice on the screen right now there's a button you can hit. And it just says, I, I committed my life to Christ. It's the first step of a, of a following of the Lord. And uh, if you want someone to pray with, hit that too. And, and, and people are willing to meet with you right now, just talk to you. 
and just pray with you in a very confidential um, manner. And uh, please take advantage of that. It, I find in all important events, it's good to share it with somebody and kind of like making a commitment or signing on the dotted line with, in the wit with witness of somebody else. Hey, before I give my final blessing, um, I just want to say to you all that, you know, we have an option of, though we can't dine with each other together, uh, just to talk story with each other. And we have these things called connect groups. And if you would like to hang on at the end of the service and click that button uh, to join a connect group, you'll, um, there'll be a, a leader and some other people there. And we can just talk about uh, more about the meaning of the sermon and, and graft it more into our hearts and souls or ask questions or express doubts. So um, please join us. If you've never done that before, join us. And it doesn't last that long, but it's really um, fun, kind of good to connect and, and talk about the things that we just talked about this morning. Okay? And now, um, here's a final blessing for you all. May the Lord bless you and keep you, and may his face shine upon you and his countenance be upon you. And may you know deep in your heart the wonderful love of God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And just know the Lord loves to be with you and hang out with you and maybe dine with you. In Christ's name, amen. God bless. Ahui ho. See you next week. Thanks to Pastor Dan for the model for developing our Christianity. Facts, faith, feelings. That order leads to a solid foundation in your walk with Jesus. If you'd like to hear this sermon again, you can listen to and download this and other sermons from the First Pres website, fpchawaii.org. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Phase one of the return of in-person worship at First Pres has begun. Please check the website to register and for all the details. In the meantime, you can find the entire church service streamed online on the church websites, Sunday morning at 8, 9.30, 11, 11, and Sunday afternoon at 4 p.m. And the two websites are fpchawaii.org and thevinehawaii.org. Be sure to check your email for links to sermons, church news and updates, daily devotionals, and our in-person worship registration and plans. If you have any questions or needs, you can reach the church through the website or just call 808-532-1111. For Pastor Dan Chun and the entire staff at First Pres, I'm Michael Shishido. Until next time, God bless you, stay safe, and thank you for listening. This sermon podcast is copyright 2021 and produced by the Media Ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu.